You are listening to the Indie Game Development Podcast Show. Visit www.indiegamepod.com for more podcasts. This interview is inspired by a quick meetup at the Austin Game Developers Conference. I'm here at the Austin Game Developers Conference, and with me is a special guest. How about you introduce yourself? Uh, My name is Troy Gilbert. I'm a co-founder of Mockingbird Games. Okay, and what is Mockingbird Games about? Uh, Well, we make a product called uh, Mockingbird, the game-making game, which is kind of a web 2.0 platform for casual players to build their own casual games. Awesome. And what what inspired that? Uh, A couple of years back, we were looking at things like YouTube and Flickr, and we were wondering why there wasn't an equivalent for games. I mean, sure, there are websites uh, like Congregate or tools like Game Maker, but they really target a a more devoted user, a hobbyist or an amateur or or an independent. We wanted something that only took about five minutes and didn't require any more skills than it takes to play a game of Bejeweled. Okay. And... How did you, or what was the platform you developed this on? Since you wanted to be very casual, did you just develop it in Flash or yeah. on the web? Yeah, it's uh, built on top of uh, Flash, and uh, it's uh, it's all custom stuff on top of Flash. The games are Flash, and uh, doesn't require any kind of custom plugins or anything like that. If, if you can play YouTube videos, you can uh, use our tools and play our games. Okay. And so you had this idea, and how did you go about developing it, and what was the process? Because the challenge is to make it as simple as possible. Right, right. And so kind of our mantra was, uh, how can we make making a game as much like playing a game? Uh, So the first thing we did was we eliminated anything that resembled programming. Uh, So there's not even, no flow charts or logic or anything like that. It's it's all like Legos, where you just plug blocks together. Um, The next thing we did was we tried to eliminate all unnecessary numbers and choices the users have to make. So, you know, you, you drag a slider and it ranges from more to less, or lots to a little, and things like that, and in the middle is the default. And so it's very intuitive for the user. Uh, the final thing, which is a real big thing, is that uh, while you're editing the game, you're playing the game. So there's no kind of two-step process where you go use a level editor to build the game and then you click play and try it out and then jump back. That process isn't very fun. And so uh, basically you play the game and if you want to make a change, you click on something in the game and move it or change it or make it go faster or slower. Just like that. And so when you're developing this and you got your prototype out, what were some of the... Did you did you test it as you were developing it or did you wait until the end? Yeah, yeah. So we developed um, basically three or four major prototypes that we released, not to the public, but to a group of uh, 100 to 200 people that we, we knew and uh, got a lot of feedback over the last year. Um, it was a lot of the feedback was great about, you know, we want to be able to do this or that this seems like extra stuff or don't we don't understand how to do this. And we wanted to eliminate basically all instructions or all need for instructions from the application. We finally got to something we really liked uh, in April of this year. And since then, we've actually revised it uh, twice, two major revisions to the application, including introducing a whole new version of the application that makes it kind of a wizard-driven interface and, instead of uh, an application-like interface. And um, what were some of the, what were the top three, I guess, challenges that you encountered while you're developing this game? Well, the biggest challenge was figuring out how we could have people 
create kind of gameplay that felt like it was something they made up without having to program. So the problem was how do you decompose like classic arcade gameplay into pieces that you can glue together in whatever order and whatever combination and not be able to make something that breaks or seems to not work because that's not fun. Uh, we didn't want it to be a, a problem-solving exercise for the user, at least not any more so than a puzzle game is. Um, another big challenge was uh, uh, basically building a user interface that uh, didn't look just like a, an application. You know, we wanted it to be fun-looking and we wanted it to be colorful, to have a lot of animation and to not have a lot of kind of traditional-looking UI widgets. So there was a lot of trying to figure out how we can represent um, a certain control without it feeling like you're using a word processor. Uh, and I guess the third challenge was uh, really the game engine itself is, is yeah, how do we make kind of a general purpose game engine uh, that's intuitive for the user and really um, similar to products like uh, Little Big Planet on uh, the PlayStation 3, we found that having a generic physics engine underneath the hood is really intuitive for users because they understand if I run into something, it, it bounces off and things like that. Uh, and so there's a generic physics engine under the hood that, that drives all of the behaviors of everything. So you mentioned gameplay. Um, did you have to go with the specific gameplay here, or do people have different choices of arcade classic gameplays? Uh, they have different choices, and we actually break it down into building blocks. So, um, I mean, you can build a, an, an Asteroids game or a Mario platformer or kind of a top-down Zelda adventure game all using... Uh, I, th I think we have about a dozen different actions for the players that you can mix and match in whatever combination you want. And then we have kind of 20 additional, uh, you know, uh, secondary behaviors like making an object disappear and reappear randomly. And you can combine them in whatever combinations you want. And we've essentially tested it so that all the combinations do something sensible. And we eliminated all the options where two combinations cancel each other out or don't work or break. And so that was a, a huge part of the process is creating those 30 building blocks that can actually make a variety of gameplay. And so right now we've got 1,200 games on our website that our users have built over the last couple of months. And, you know, I would say I've seen at least a dozen different kind of genres of games on there right now. So you mentioned 1,200 games. Um, how do you build that community? Um, and how is, that, how is building that community going? And in fact, in terms of challenges while you're developing, were there any people issues or develop, like, you know, in terms of getting this thing out? Because you mentioned that it took a while to get it out, so. Yeah, so one of the big things that uh, we decided from the start is that a real easy route for us would have been to try to tackle the traditional game-making crowd, uh, hobbyists and independents and people who use Game Maker or Tor tools like that. Um, but we didn't want that crowd. That crowd's already well served by a lot of other options, and we felt we kind of would go off on the wrong path trying to serve the features they wanted. And so as far as community goes, we focused on kind of building an aesthetic to the website and 
content, to the artwork we used and everything that was very inclusive. Uh, that's why kind of the, the artwork we provide, instead of being kind of your classic aliens and, and fantasy characters and kind of sci-fi themes or military themes, it's, it's all much more like Looney Tunes characters. You know, you can almost think of it like the, the Acme factory is delivering all the bits and pieces for your game. Uh, and, and we find that that's a, a much more kind of inclusive way to build it. Uh, at the same time, we've not yet kind of started any kind of marketing push. So the, the IGF is kind of our first public appearance. Uh, we haven't done any marketing at all, and, and we've really just done kind of one other interview with the press at this point. So this is we're considering this kind of the beginning of our marketing push. And in, in October, we'll have kind of a, uh, a major advertising campaign for a movie uh, that will be using our platform, allowing users to build kind of uh, movie-inspired games as, as a, a promotional item. And how do you... You know, you talk about marketing. What about, I mean, the success of YouTube, the success of Flickr was actually the games themselves or the videos and the pictures doing the marketing for the site. So how is that working, and um, are there any challenges? Definitely some challenges. So, um, you know, one of the things that we're facing right now, and a lot of this is it's just due to the size of the audience we have right now, is that we have a lot of people who are playing with it, and they enjoy the process of making their game, but their games aren't necessarily interesting to other people. Yeah. Our primary goal was for people to enjoy the making process. And for that reason, we eliminated a lot of tools from the application that weren't fun to use. You know, there's no spreadsheets or, you know, tile editors or anything like that because while they can be very productive tools, they're tedious to use. They're not the fun part of making a game. Um, so that in some ways limits the kind of games that can be made because we wanted the making process to be fun first and playing is fun secondarily. Um, as a result, we've not had any big kind of viral hits, though we've, we've had a few games on, on our homepage that have gotten quite a bit of play um, and we actually made one game with our toolkit that we put on Addicting Games that got millions of plays on Addicting Games. So a, a, a big aspect of it is, is where the games are placed. So we think as kind of our marketing campaign kind of picks up, people will start taking the games and embedding them on their website. So the games are just like YouTube videos. You can embed them on a website. You can, you know, there's just a, you can submit them to Dig and things like that uh, very easily. And we just haven't yet hit that critical mass of users for one of those games to kind of pop up and get real popular and get a spike like that. So with Flickr and YouTube, you upload pictures and videos relevant to you. Um, when you talk about the challenge of creating a viral game, do you allow people to upload their own pictures or items into the game so that it's kind of a personal joke or a personal game for the person in their front. Yeah, absolutely. So one of the things we introduced um, uh, about a month ago is what we call our game kits, which are essentially uh, uh, all of the uh, gameplay elements are kind of prefabbed. And so really all you're doing is you're doing the level editing and, and you're doing the skinning of the artwork and the sounds. Um, a big part, uh, one of our most popular kits are what we call is what we call the worst person in the world kit. Which you know is where you go and you put your boss's picture in the game if you want to, uh, and uh, or, or whatever you know your favorite or most unfavorite politician or something like that, and uh, build a game around that. 
of make it a personal experience, besides just uploading pictures, is uh, putting a strong focus on uh, encouraging the user to give the game a title and a story. Uh, and that makes it very similar to you know, the description of a YouTube video or more closely to like a blog post. We wanted it to be like, you know, you jump on there and you spend five or ten minutes making a game that is relevant to what happened to you today. And uh, that's what we've really focused on is, is emulating something more like Blogger as opposed to something like Torque or something like that. And, and how's that going? Because that's an interesting way to look at gaming as a, as a way for expression. Yeah, right. All right. And personal expression is exactly what we wanted. We want people to make relevant games, relevant to themselves or to other people, uh, that are that are a form of personal expression. Um, it's going well. We, we, we have some people who really get it, and we have users who make tons and tons of games, and they make them really fast. I mean, they'll sit down, and the first time they use it, they'll make 10 or 15 games, just because they can do it so quickly, and they can play with it. Um, and, you know, and, and but other people, it's a different enough concept that it's not quite clicking what the possibility is. And a lot of that is is we're still trying to figure out how to get that message, to cro- message across to people as quickly as possible. A lot of people are finding our website through some of the games we built. So they come here kind of looking for a games portal, and they find a bunch of games that are short and simple, and they don't quite understand what's going on. And so we're hoping that as we do like the Independent Game Festival and things like that, people will come and visit the site with some idea of what they're heading for, and so they'll have the right context getting into it. But we're working on building the right context into the site itself. And what are the top three surprises you've seen from your users in terms of either their behavior or how they're using the the maker or, or what? Well, the one of the biggest surprises is, is the games that people have made. So we've had several games that I don't think we would have ever seen from from people who had to use traditional game kits. Uh, I mean, we've had, like, one of the games we had in the, in the first week after its release was a game about uh, illegal immigrants crossing the border. I've never seen a, a casual web game about that anywhere. Uh, we, we've also have some very simple kind of political games people have made. Uh, we had one uh, mom who, who made a game uh, about changing the TV channel to kind of change between political ads, and it's like using a remote control. I mean, it's kind of a weird combination of gameplay, but it but it works, and it apparently, you know, is born out of her frustration of, of the amount of political ads on TV or something like that. So what's been really interesting is people who would have never made games before, exactly like what blogging did for people who would have never had a website before, now they're able to share ideas. And we really think that's a critical thing that's missing in the game industry right now is that there's no way for uh, an uninitiated audience member to really participate in the process and we're really trying to kind of break that glass ceiling so to speak uh, with that. And there are other competitors out there so how do you do you, con- do you, do you consider them competitors? I mean you're, you're going at it from a different way. Yours is more 
uh, in depth? I mean, yeah. So. Well, interestingly, I mean, we've been working on this idea for about a year and a half, almost two years now. And last summer, when we had our kind of our early alpha version, we went around and talked to a lot of uh, people in the game community and outside the game community about it. And we got a lot of responses of, "Do people really want to make their own games? You know, is this something that people want to do?" And we were very convinced that it was, um, but we had a lot of trouble convincing other people of that. Well, when we released in April, within 30 days of us releasing, there were three other products with almost the identical concept um, released, including Electronic Arts Sims Carnival, oh, yeah. which has almost the exact same breakdown of, of, of process that we have. Uh, 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 a, game, a website called Firebug um, and uh, several others. Where we think we really distinguish ourselves from those games or those websites is on how users are able to actually build their games. Um, so, for example, in Sims Carnival, if you want to write your own rules, you essentially have to do programming. I mean, it's like a flowchart, yeah. but I mean, it's just programming with pictures instead of, you know, with, with words. It's still just as difficult for the, for the uninitiated user. Uh, for ours, to actually write the rules, it's literally you choose two or three pictures, and there's no order of pictures or flow of logic or anything like that. It's you're just combine. It's more like tagging as opposed to a hierarchy. Uh, and so we find it's it's. We think that we have a better workflow for the non-advanced user. Of course, it limits what the advanced users can do, but we think in the same way that YouTube limits it to 10-minute video clips, it's a necessary limitation in order to kind of, uh, you know, meet the unmet needs of the larger audience. We're aiming for kind of the 80% that can't make games, not the 20% that are going to do whatever they can to do it. Um, now, games are usually made collaboratively, so is that something you're going to do in the future where you actually have asynchronous type of development? Right now, um, what we offer is the ability for users to change any other user's game. So you can do a, a bit of a collaborative process that way, and, and a very kind of anonymous collaborative process where if you play any game on the website that you like, but you say, well, I want a bit more of this game or make it a bit easier or no time limit, you can go in there and you can make those changes. You can swap the artwork out. So you can kind of build on what other people have done. Um, as, as, it go, as we go down the road, we definitely want to have more collaborative features. And, and so a lot of kind of the the kind of uh, community infrastructure aspects of, of the project, we're, we're learning a whole lot from the world of blogging software and blogging platforms. So we'll definitely see kind of collaborative, uh, you know, multiple authors on a single platform and, and, and options like that. And in fact, uh, later this week or next week, we'll be rolling out kind of a, a new version of the website that uh, provides some more flexibility for users as far as editing games and, and, and working collaboratively. And yeah, how is the editing going? The fact that you can edit other people's work works is that does that happen a lot, or is that still um, no, it, not not used as much? It, it, it does happen quite a bit. Um, the changes are usually fairly shallow, where they're just changing the artwork and they're just kind of experimenting with it. Uh, we do have some people that go in and kind of change the levels. Um, now, when you edit someone else's game. 
you basically make a copy of it. So it's uh, kind of a multiply. It's more it's more evolutionary as opposed to a collaborative thing where you know uh, he builds version one and I go and edit it and it makes it version two. They're both still on the website, um, but you know they're they're related. Uh, we don't have this feature on the website yet, but one of the things on our list is to let people navigate the games based on kind of what they were based on. So you can uh, start with one game and say, oh, well, this game is actually derived from this other game, or these 12 games were based on this one, and you can kind of explore games that way. And so since all of the games are built inside of our tool set, we have a really rich set of metrics about the games, the kind of gameplay they have, the artwork they have, the, the goals of the games. And so we can build some really interesting recommendation-like things for the games that simply aren't possible with a website like Miniclip where the games are all independent Flash games and they have to rely on their users to tag the games or, you know, we don't have to rely on that because we know how the games are actually constructed. And what's next then or what's in store for this project? Well, what we're doing right now is, is focusing on kind of our primary business model which is licensing the platform to other IP holders and, and brands to use for marketing purposes or to build kind of, uh, to integrate it into their own communities um, as just kind of another activity their users can do. So for example, in October, uh, we're working with a, a movie studio to create a campaign where users will be able to create games based on a movie they're releasing. And so instead of them paying hundred grand to a, a, a small flash studio to build one game, you know, they'll pay half that to us to build a tool set where their users can build a thousand games based on their property. And so instead of one game that sits on one website, they've got a thousand games that get scattered all across the web. So it's a, it's a huge promotional opportunity that just doesn't currently exist right now. In terms of business models, have you thought of putting Moki ads on top of everyone's games? And yeah. how would that work? It's actually something that we're looking at in the really long term. So if our if we start to see from a metrics perspective that our games are being distributed wide enough that we really have a worthwhile advertising network, it's certainly something we'll look into. But right now, the website itself and none of the games, there's no advertising anywhere. And we consciously made that decision that um, to keep the experience as kind of uncluttered and cleaned and as focused as possible and not have advertising. So for for example, right now, the homepage has no advertising. You can jump in and you can use all of it without, without even signing in. You can use all of it. And it's only if you want to save your game do you have to sign in. And you only have to buy the one-year membership, which is $9.95, uh, if you want to write your own rules, if you want to build a game from scratch. One of the other interesting things you mentioned is that people would have descriptions and titles for their games. Are you going to allow people to create box art for their games? I mean, is it going to make them feel like a game studio, or, or how far will that customization go? Is it because that seems to work really well with the casual audience. Yeah, we, we, we've it's it's on the long laundry list of ideas that we've tossed around. Is is if we and, and essentially at this point we're waiting for demand from our audience, but. Um, the idea that 
if someone wanted to, they could choose a screenshot from their game or upload a box shot, and I mean, we could burn it to a disc as a standalone executable or, you know, something like that and drop it to them in the mail in a DVD case. So, you know, you imagine a, a 12-year-old kid goes on there and makes their own game and a week later they have, like, an actual game that they can pop into their computer at home. I mean, even though they can do it on the website, you know, a piece of tangible media seems cooler, you know, for, for, for certain people. Um, but, yeah, no, I mean, definitely we're looking at that kind of customization aspect. Uh, one of the things that we really want to do is what we call groups. Um, or, or game teams where essentially uh, you know any combination of people can get together and create a group and they essentially can kind of uh, work collaboratively on games and they can have kind of their own game page that features their games uh, on the website so you know if our audience starts demanding those kind of things that's where we're going to shift our attention right now um, our attention's on kind of the business model side of it which is licensing the, 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 the technology and what are then the top three suggestions you have for other indie game developers uh my biggest suggestion would be to to not focus on technology. I mean, that's one. Of, I mean, I, before I started this project, I, I spent six years uh, working for companies like Electronic Arts, helping them plan technology decisions, and uh, and so my entire life was about game technology. Uh, I gotta say, you know, way too many resources are, are wasted on trying to build a, a better will when you've got an ugly looking car to put on top of it. And so, you know, I mean, if you gotta focus on the game first, and, and for that reason, I would recommend that people really look at Flash as a platform because it, besides a lot of its benefits as far as distribution and things like that, the constraints that it places on the user and the kind of platform, the features the platform provides is a perfect middle ground for building games without having to worry about, you know, pushing polygons or, or anything like that. It really focuses the user. Um, another thing I, I would suggest to indies is to, as quickly as you can, to, to, to kind of ditch the, uh, the, the angst toward AAA developers. Uh, the, the, the AAA developers are what make the indie development possible. Uh, we have, uh, indie developers have an audience because AAA developers are kind of burning a path into people's homes. Um, and so, sure, the games may be sellouts or whatever, but people just like yourselves are working on them and they love them just as much as you love your game. And so, there's no reason to fight. It's just, you know, two different business models and, you know, there's no reason to kind of, you know, F the publishers and things like that. You know, it's it's the wrong attitude, and and it ends up in the end just looking very immature to outsiders, and it's it's, it's a huge turnoff to the potential audience for games. Uh, and last but not least, it's I, I tell this to, to people when I talk about indie game development is it's it's about quantity, not quality. Um, it's, it's much better to make five mediocre games than to never make that one perfect game, uh, even if you get 90% of the way there. Uh, if, you make, if you focus on the quantity, the quality will eventually get there. If you focus just on the quality, you might not ever get to one. So, you know, it's, it is quantity over quality. And, and that's exactly what we focused on with Mockingbird is, is kind of taking that to the extreme. And where can people make their own game? What's the exact URL? Uh, it's playmockingbird.com.
Thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks. Yeah.